Please be seated for our Bible readings. The first reading is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 2, beginning at verse 42. It can be found on page 128 of the New Testament section of the Church Bible. In this reading, we are given an insight into the vibrant life of the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. The second reading is taken from Matthew chapter 28, beginning at verse 16. It can be found on page 36 of the New Testament section of the Church Bible. In this reading, Jesus outlines to his disciples the great commission to make disciples. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am always with you to the end of the age. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Do please sit. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Shall we pray? Oh, Heavenly Father, will you speak to us once again through your word? Pour out upon us more of your grace, that we may see more of you and follow you more closely to live and to love like Jesus and to be fully aware of what it is to move from gratitude to giving day by day. In his name and to him be all praise and glory. Amen. Well, the theme for today is from gratitude to giving, from gratitude to giving. And I see in what uh, Sarah has just read to us in that passage from Acts, a picture of the early church in their giving 
as they shared their material and their financial possessions, and as they gave of themselves. They gave of themselves in a commitment to, to membership, to learning and training and prayer, and to worship and fellowship. Indeed, it's a picture of that early church that grew. It grew spiritually and numerically by leaps and bounds. Well, who were these folk in the uh, early church? Oh, they were the ones who had listened to Peter on that first day of Pentecost some 2,000 years ago, proclaiming Jesus as Lord and Messiah, and that all who called on him, that all who called on him and believed in him would be forgiven and saved. And wisely, they had asked what we need to do, what should we do? And Peter had replied very simply and said, you need to repent, to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we read there how in the verses prior to those that uh, Sarah had read, that there was this great forward surge of some 3,000 people who believed there and then and were baptized and changed through the Holy Spirit's ministry of conversion and heart transplantation. And their response in gratitude, their response in gratitude for being saved by grace and made alive in Christ is evidenced in their behavior and their way of living in a commitment of giving giving, giving of themselves and giving and sharing their possessions. In one sense, they had become members, members in the, in the family of God. You know, just as anyone who joins a club or group or society, they enter, as it were, with the, in line with the rules for membership. In one sense, uh, those who want to belong always accept the basis for admission. They, these new believers, had taken the, the right steps in many ways to be part of God's family. They had repented and they had been baptized, that outward sign. They had confessed their sins and been forgiven, that inner awareness, and they had received the Holy Spirit giving, gifting them to produce fruit. And as Paul puts it in his letter to the church in, in Ephesus, they were now there to do the good works which God had prepared in advance for them to do. They were sons and daughters of their heavenly Abba, members now of God's almighty family, almighty God's family, and they committed themselves giving themselves, devoting themselves to the life and activity of church. In verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. 
you pick that up? They devoted themselves, very powerful word, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. You see, they recognized the authority of the apostles and they, total dedication, they devoted themselves to being taught. They were willing, they were eager to learn and humble enough to acknowledge that as disciples, they were learners, learners subject to discipline and training. I often wonder to what extent we are still learning and training, to what extent we're still feeding on God's word. I wonder how eager and expectant we are to receive and learn. Or do we sometimes think that we have arrived and that there's nothing more to learn? Or that quite simply, perhaps at times, well, we can't really be bothered. You know, we're blessed with many opportunities to grow in our faith and in our walk with Jesus. Sometimes at the, 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 the 10 o'clock service, we've sung, Jesus, you're changing me. But is that a reality? Or just nice words to a catchy melody? You know, Paul, writing again to the Ephesians, speaks of them becoming mature. Becoming mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That is where we should be heading as we give ourselves to being taught and to learn more. To attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Yes, learning and training goes on to be taught. Don't stop where we are. Fellowship. Oh, I'm going to bring under the heading of fellowship all the other salient features of, of this early church in Acts. I could separate them, but really each one deserves a sermon on its own, and we'd be here till lunchtime. Um, so let's bring them all together. Because I bring them all together because they were all together, weren't they? Verse 42 again, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. They devoted themselves to breaking of bread. They devoted themselves to prayer. Day by day they spent time together. Every day they continued to meet together. They broke bread and ate together. Verse 47, they praised God in worship together. Do you see the emphasis on fellowship? It's there throughout. And you know, as I was preparing for today, I found myself drawn to Luke's summary in his gospel of Jesus' early life and how Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. Luke reminding us there of Jesus' spiritual and social development. And you know, it's certainly in times of fellowship that we grow spiritually and that we grow socially. Let me underline our fellowship in the breaking of bread. You know, when we come together 
for a Holy Communion service, we come together in unity with our focus on Jesus and the vivid reminder of his body broken for us and his blood shed for us, for all of us, for each one of us, yet individually. We come, as Ian often reminds us, not because of any goodness of our own that gives us the right to come, but because we need his mercy and help. We come because we love the Lord a little, oh, and would so love to, want to love him more. And it's so true that these are the moments in fellowship when we grow spiritually, drawing closer to Jesus, and we grow socially, drawing closer to each other. Yes, we can't help but note the repeated together in that Acts reading with another area with reference to the believer's devotion to fellowship in prayer. I picked up the the results of a, a survey about prayer in the life in the church in the UK and it revealed that a majority of Christians pray each day on their own. But there is a devastating dearth of collective prayer. No matter what efforts are made to bring a church together to pray, there is little or often no response. Let me say in parenthesis, as it were, well done, church here in St. Juan, when so many came on, on Wednesday uh, for prayer for Ukraine. Oh, collective prayer, coming together, uniting in prayer. Do you know, writing about a praying church is a growing church. E.H. Trenchard is quoted as saying, a church that fails to pray together is in danger of spiritual decay. you get that? You know, powerful, isn't it? A church that fails to pray together is in danger of spiritual decay. No way was that early church in danger of spiritual decay. They were a praying church, praying together, devoted to prayer, and growing spiritually, and growing in numbers day by day. You see, prayer was the very top of their agenda. Sharing and giving, oh, Sharing and giving, another marked feature of this church in Acts. Yes, these new followers of Christ gave generously from their earliest days to the extent of selling some of their possessions and using the proceeds to help those in need. They didn't seek to accumulate riches for themselves. They shared their material blessings and belongings, dealing with and cancelling out what is often that wretched cancer of selfishness. Martin Luther once said that for the Christian there should be two conversions, first the heart and secondly the wallet or the purse. You know these early church members had a double conversion, didn't they? You know this time with the the, the needs in Ukraine, uh, what a time uh, for us to be giving that work that's going on 
or their, their needs that are there. But you know, I, I thought about the church of today and this whole area of giving, the church in this island, the church in the UK. Do you know, I freeze when I hear the word collection being used in churches. We're now going to receive the collection, or the collection will be taken, or there will be a collection as you leave. Wow, it's the controller of income tax who collects our dues. God awaits our offering. And we give in gratitude and in response to God's love. He went to that cross on Calvary for me. He went to that cross on Calvary for you. He released us from slavery into freedom. He released us from darkness into light, from death into life. You know, freely we have received. Freely we give. What did Jesus say? He said it, didn't he? Freely you have received. Freely give. Yes, we have received freely. And we give freely. Oh, there are clear guides in the Old Testament, in Leviticus and Malachi, about how we should give, about tithing. And I know there are many who struggle with the almost the legalistic aspect of giving one-tenth of, of income. Interestingly enough, there's nothing in the New Testament that specifies tithing. We read there, though, of the importance of giving generously, underlining that we don't give because we have to, but we give in response to God's love. And in Corinthians we read that each man should give not reluctantly or under compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. Indeed, how true that was of those early church members who gave, we read there, with glad and generous hearts. I jump to the final verse in this picture of this church and I quote, and day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Oh, thank you, Luke, for concluding this account with that statement so that we here in 2022 can fully appreciate that it was that healthy Christian community that had attracted so many to Christ. That Jerusalem church's zeal for worship, their zeal for prayer and for brotherly love in fellowship just was contagious. Their 100% commitment to follow Jesus their testimony, their daily witness, the standards that they exercised in speech, in their behavior, in their actions, this, oh, in their relationship with each other, that infectious joy as they rejoiced in the Lord. All of this together, all of this together had just stunned the lost, the least, and the broken and attracted them to the very source 
from whom these early Christians had been so richly blessed. And in many ways, in all that they did, when we think of that great commission that was read to us in the, uh, the end of Matthew's Gospel, they were indeed proclaiming Christ and responding to that great commission just to build God's kingdom and make disciples. In my Bible reading notes, on this very last verse of place that will attract others to Christ. Let me close with that challenge. What part are we playing? And what are we doing to make God's church in this parish the kind of place that attracts others to Christ? Christ.